how many of you have ever said to somebody, I have some good news and I have some bad news? Okay, some of you. Now let's do a little poll. If someone says that to you, how many of you want the bad news first? Let me see your hands. Okay, the majority. How many of you want the good news first? Wow, like one. Okay, so, uh, so I'm a bad news for, uh, first person. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the good news and the bad news. Uh, when, when I was a kid, I, I used to like jokes. And I don't read as many jokes anymore. But uh, I used to have like all these books. And I would go and sell these jokes to my mom. And I'd just reel them off one after another. In the end, I mean, she would laugh at the first one. And then after that, she would just be like, uh, son, just like go away. I mean, stop bugging me. But, uh, but one of some of my favorite jokes were the good news and the bad news jokes. Now, I've discovered in my years of, of being an adult that there are certain people you don't want to say, I've got some good news and bad news, uh, or you don't want to hear them from. One is your doctor. You do not want your doctor to say, I've got good news and bad news. Second one is if you've got a lawyer, you don't want your lawyer to say good news or bad news. And then the third one is mechanics. They always say, I've got some good news and the bad news. And it's funny, the bad news always outweighs the good news. Well, I remember as a kid, I would go to my mom and I would say, uh, a patient went to a doctor and uh, the, the, the doctor says, hey, I've got some good news and some bad news. And, uh, uh, and the patient says, well, what's the good news? Give me the good news first. And the doctor would say, uh, the tests show that you have 24 hours to live. And the patient would be like, oh, no. Well, what's the bad news? And the doctor would say, well, I should have told you 24 hours ago. And it's like, ba-boom. And, uh, and, and then there's another one. Uh, a lawyer says uh, uh, to his client, hey, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. Um, and uh, the client says, well, uh, give me the bad news first. And the lawyer says, well, uh, they got DNA tests of your blood and your blood was found all over the crime scene. And the client would say, oh, no, I'm ruined. Well, what's the good news? And the, the doctor would say, the good news is that your cholesterol is only 130. And I... <laughs> And then one more. I'll give you one more. I like this one. And it's a little morbid. But uh, uh, a guy goes into the hospital with two broken legs. And after a night in hospital, the nurse comes to him and says, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. He says, well, give me the bad news first. And the, and the nurse says, well, the bad news is that the legs is so badly broken, we have to amputate both legs. And the, the patient is distraught. And he's like... Well, what's the good news? And the nurse says, well, the good news is that the guy in the bed next to you wants to buy your sneakers. I told you a little morbid. Well, so today we're starting a, a, a brand new series called God Is. And this series all, is all about the good news and the bad news. And the good thing is, is most of it is good news. And so uh, we're, we're, this whole series is going to be launched out of uh, a book called the, uh, the Book of Luke. And the Book of Luke is all about the life of Jesus and uh, all about how Jesus was born. Jesus lived this life. He performed many miracles. And then it's all about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, in Luke chapter 4, so if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4 tells us this, in, uh, starting at verse 14. 
So Jesus is kind of like this unknown guy who, uh, who, who was just uh, uh, lived a pretty uh, good life. He's like the, 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 the kid at school nobody likes because he's so good at everything. Um, and then he, he gets into adulthood. And, uh, and then he starts making a few uh, friends. And then he starts uh, to make a few waves in society. He starts saying these things that people are like, wow. That's really intense. That's really wise. And, and this is something that, uh, that Jesus said. So in, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 14, this was the very start when Jesus started to get a name for himself. It says this. It says, then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. So everybody started hearing about this guy called Jesus. And he said, he taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. So Jesus, the things that he's saying, everyone's like, wow, he really is a good teacher. Then it says in verse 16, it says, When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, so he went home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, there was a book in the Bible called, there's a book in the Bible called Isaiah. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to Jesus. He unrolled the scroll, so they didn't have like a Bible like this. They had like scrolls that, you know, you unscroll and you read. And so they hand this to Jesus. And Jesus unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it is written. So Jesus starts quoting from the prophet Isaiah. And it says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. So that's what the prophet Isaiah said. Then it says, then Jesus rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and then Jesus sat down. All the eyes uh, in the synagogue looked intently at Jesus. Then Jesus began to speak to them. And Jesus said this, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. The scripture that you've heard today has been fulfilled this very day. So basically, this is what happens. Jesus comes into the temple and he tells everybody that the prophecy that this guy called Isaiah hundreds and hundreds of years ago has foretold has now come to pass. And the prophecy was this, that God would send someone who was chosen. There's another word that, that the Bible uses called anointed, which means chosen one. And so Jesus uh, said that, that, he quoted Isaiah, and Isaiah, Isaiah said that God would send an anointed one or a chosen one who would come into this world, and he would come and he would bring good news to people who were poor. He would come and bring healing. He would bring restoration. He would bring freedom to this world. So Jesus has just read that. And then Jesus said this. That person that I've just read, that's me. I am that person. I am that chosen one. Now looking back over 2,000 years when Jesus walked this earth. And we see now we have the full Bible. And we see all the different books and what Jesus said. And and we see what people wrote about Jesus. Jesus. We, we can come to the safe conclusion that Jesus believed he was God. 
I mean, there's nobody who would deny that, that Jesus believed that he was God. And, 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 and the Bible tells us that God is one being that's got made up into three parts. And for some of you, this is kind of elementary this morning. Some of you, you may be learning something new. But, but basically, you've got God, and he's made up into three parts. So the three parts of this. You've got the Father, you've got the Son, and you've got the Holy Spirit. And Jesus basically comes, and he says, I am that middle part. I am the Son. I am God. I am the Son. And over the next five weeks, we're going to discuss exactly who Jesus says he is. Who God says he is. If you are a believer of Jesus Christ this morning, if you proclaim to be a Christian, then you profess that Jesus is who Jesus said he was. And that is the Son of God. That is one of these parts, one of these beings, uh, or one of these parts that come into one being. You believe that Jesus is the Son. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. So this morning, I said we got some good news and we got some bad news. Now, because all of you put your hand up and you wanted the bad news first, let's take a look at the bad news first. And the bad news is very, very, very bad indeed, just to warn you. So Jesus basically, in Isaiah, through Isaiah, Isaiah says that the Spirit of God is upon this chosen one, and this chosen one will bring good news to the poor. So the good news is for poor people. But before we look at the good news, let's look at the bad news. And the bad news is found in Mark chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. So it was a few months or maybe a year later after Jesus had said uh, this in the synagogue, that he was God. And this is what Jesus said. He gives a story, also known as a parable. And he says this in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. 17. As Jesus started out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to Jesus. He knelt down and asked, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So now Jesus has gone around. Everybody knows that Jesus claims that he is God. So then if you meet God for the first time, I wonder what your questions are going to be. I'm sure they might be very similar to this guy. Hey, What do I have to do to live forever? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And this is what this guy says to Jesus. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. I think Jesus was had like a play on words there. But then Jesus says, but to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely, meaning you must not lie. You must not cheat anyone. And then you honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And then looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, Jesus said to this man. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, once you've done that, come and follow me. At this time, the man's face fell. 
I don't know about you, but I think my face would fall. It's like, I've done all these things the Bible has told me to do. And now I have to give up everything I've ever earned in my life to re- receive eternal life. I mean, I'm like, I'd be going home with my like, lip to the ground and just my head between my ankles. I mean, I'd be upset. And this guy was. So at this time, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. So basically, we can call him. He was kind of rich, you know. I mean, he may not have been the wealthiest person in the world, but he had a lot to lose. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven? This amazed them, the disciples. And Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And then he says this, in fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. How many of you have ever tried to thread something through the eye of a needle? I don't know about you, I don't know, I mean, I'm not going to be sexist, but ladies, you've got a gift, I'm telling you. Because I remember when I was young, my mom was like a dressmaker, she, she made clothes, and she would try to teach me to sew. And I would be there with like this thread trying to get through the needle and I'd be like licking it and licking it and it just wouldn't go. And then I'd try a bigger needle and it just wouldn't work. And, and getting a thread through the eye of a needle is impossible. Now, have any of you tried to get a camel through the eye of a needle? I mean, that's just like the weirdest illustration ever, trying to get a camel. I almost, this morning, and I, I, I went against it, I almost bought some of Raquel's jeans in this morning. Because I do the laundry at our house. I'm like, you know, she does a lot of other things, but I do the laundry. And it amazes me every time I do the laundry how small Raquel's clothes are. And, like, I lift them up, and it's like some kids should be wearing these things. And it just amazes me. And if you had seen Raquel's jeans, like, not on her, but they are the smallest things ever. I couldn't even get my right leg in these jeans. Basically, for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven would be the equivalent of me trying to get into Raquel's jeans. It's impossible. It isn't going to happen. So basically, we've got the bad news here. And this is the bad news. The bad news, it is almost impossible for a rich man to enter heaven. Now, talk about being a bold statement. Talk about deflating us. I mean, we live in the United States, and I'll be honest, we're rich. We're rich. I mean, you go to other parts of the world, and they have nothing. They are poor, dirt poor. But the majority of us here this morning, we're rich. In the world's eyes, we're rich. And now Jesus is saying it is almost impossible for us to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's deflated right there. So this rich young man has come up to Jesus. He was a good man. He kept his commandments. He was probably a very religious man. He had done all the right things. And he had been blessed with wealth. And then Jesus asked one more thing of this man. This man had given up everything for Jesus. He had lived a good life. But Jesus says, now, go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor. Then you will be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. Basically, give up your wealth. I think it's amazing. And I was studying this this week. It made me think. Most of us in life, we strive to be wealthy. 
Most of us. We go to work to gain wealth. We, 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 we uh, take out a retirement so that we're wealthy when we retire. We, we buy a house so that we've got some equity to gain some wealth. Many of us, we have savings in order to gain wealth. We want to get a better job that pays more to gain wealth. But the very thing that we strive so much in life to gain, Jesus says that's the very thing that restricts you most from entering the kingdom of God. I just think it's just strange how we just strive to do that. That's the bad news, people. And that's bad news. I don't know about you, but I don't feel happy about that news. Well, let's take a look at the good news. Because the good news is real good. And the good news continues in Mark chapter 10. Jesus just doesn't let us just out there, uh, leave us out there saying it's easier for a, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter heaven. Jesus carries on. And in verse 26 of Mark chapter 10, Jesus says it. It says this. The disciples were astounded. And they ask this question, then who in the world can be saved? And I want to ask that same question to Jesus myself. If, if a rich man can't get into heaven, then who can? Who can get into heaven? And Jesus looked intently at them. And he said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. It is impossible. On our human terms, it is impossible. But not with God. Not with God. Everything is possible with God. Now that's some good news. That's some good news. But the news gets even better. And then it says this, and Peter began to speak up. And he said, Jesus, we've given up everything to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and property along with persecution. And in the world to come, that's the next life, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. So the good news is this. If you have nothing in this life and you follow Jesus, if you give up everything for God, then you have access to God. You have access to the kingdom of heaven. And the Bible tells us, once we get to heaven, we're going to be stinky, filthy, rich. I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I don't know about you. Jesus gives us access to heaven. Jesus came to bring the good news to the poor. And the good news is this. If you're rich, it's almost impossible to get to heaven. If you are poor, you have access, easy access. To heaven. And once you have that access, you have greatness that awaits you. Now, what I have this is something that gives me access to the whole of Europe. Basically, this is my British passport. And what this does, this basically gives me all the rights of being a British citizen. 
And so I can live in Britain. I can work in Britain. I can claim retirement from Britain. I can go and get free health care in Britain. I can, uh, let me think, I could go to prison in Britain. I mean, I could do whatever I want. And then not only that, but because Britain is part of Europe, I can have those same rights and go anywhere in Europe. So if I want to go to France, if I want to go to Germany, if I want to go to Belgium, if I want to go to Holland or Spain or Greece, I can have those same rights because this gives me access to Europe. Back in 2005, I hopped on a plane and I moved here to the United States. This thing that gave me access to the whole of Europe suddenly gave me no access hardly at all to this country. See, because I got off a plane and the only thing that this thing could give me was to be able to come and vacation for 90 days in this country. I couldn't live here. I couldn't work here. I couldn't claim social security. I couldn't even get a social security number. I couldn't get a driver's license. I couldn't get a loan. I couldn't get a credit card. Because what once gave me access no longer gave me any access at all. And that is exactly what Jesus says about us. He says if you are rich, then it's like you have this thing and it's worthless because you have no access to the kingdom of heaven at all. You have no access to God. But then, the American government, whatever you say about them, they're very kind people. And they gave me this. This is my green card, which is white. I don't know why they call it a green card, but it's white. These things, they don't pass out overnight. They don't, you don't go to the local polling station or you know, the local government office. They just give these out. It's a long process to get one of these. But basically what this says, this basically says that you are not an American. You are not a native American. You are not native to this country. In fact, your parents aren't even American. Basically, this says, it says that you are a foreigner. Or it also calls me an alien. I don't know, maybe if you, some of you look at me and think I'm an alien. But what this thing does, it's like my prized possession. I've got to keep this at all times in a safe place. This thing has given me exactly the same access that you have as an American. I'm not an American, and actually I can qualify to become an American, so I will be doing that pretty soon. But it gives me exactly the same access that every one of you has. I can live, I can work, I can claim social security, I can take out a loan, I can, uh, I can own a gun if I want to. And even though I don't know what I would do with one if I had one, I can do anything that you guys, if you're Americans, can do. And that is exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you give up your life and you come and follow me, you may have been on one of these and you had no access, but I will give you one of these and you will gain full access to the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you, that's pretty exciting news. That's pretty good news. That Jesus now gives you access to God. Once you had no access to God at all, and now Jesus has given you access to God. But, that's if you're poor. Let me ask you. Who thinks it's a little unfair that the poor can gain access, but the rich can't? I do. I think that's a little unfair. Why should you be penalized if you've gained wealth in this life? Well, I want to 
take a look at what poor actually means. What does Jesus really mean by poor? Because I think this morning you may be poorer than what you think. Us as Americans, we're a rich nation. We have a lot of things that the people in this life don't have. But the reality is, I think we're a lot poorer than what you think. The word poor basically means to lack, to not have adequate, to be inferior, or to be in poverty. That's what poor means. When it comes to this life, And wealth, it's easy to define who the poor are. You can just go down to Baltimore and you can see poor people everywhere. You can switch on the TV and look at people in Africa or India or South America and you can see poor people. Because the poor people are the ones who can't make ends meet. They're the ones who find it hard to put food on their table. They're the ones who struggle financially from day to day because for us, being rich or poor is a money thing. But in heaven, money is not a factor. There's no currency in heaven. There's no dollars. There's no debt. There's none of that in heaven. For in heaven, people who are poor are people who lack. Who are not adequate enough. And guess what? You do not have access to heaven on your own. You do not have access to God on your own. And that means you are inadequate. You lack. And that means you are poor today. You're not rich. You're poor. You're a poor person. So, I mean, this good news is just getting better, isn't it? You know? I mean, now you're like telling me you can't get access to God and now you're poor. Great. But ultimately... You don't have access to God. If you want God's forgiveness on your own, you lack the requirements. If you want eternal life, you lack the qualifications to do it. If you want peace, hope, love, and joy, then you lack. You're inadequate because the standard that you live at is way below God's standard. And if you don't believe me, just read Romans uh, 3 verse 23. It talks all about how we just don't reach God's standard at all. So guess what? If this morning you can't rub two cents together, then you're poor. But if you have $30 million in your bank account, and if you do, hey, let's go do lunch. And, but if you do this morning, then you are poor in God's eyes. And so the good news this morning is that because you are poor, this good news applies to you and to me. So I'm excited about that. So how do we gain access to God? How do we gain access to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? The rich man did all the right things. He kept the commandments of God. He didn't murder. He didn't steal. He didn't covet. He was probably a good church-going man. He probably loved his family. He probably volunteered his community. He lived a good, moral life. And that's where he fell short. Because so often in life, we think that all we have to do is to live a moral life and we'll be good. But the reality in the kingdom of heaven, a moral life does nothing for you. You have to live a godly life, not a moral life. And I ask you today, what kind of life are you living? Are you living a godly life where God is first? Or are you living a moral life where you're just doing all the right things? You know, you're not cheating on your spouse. You're, you're, you're not uh, disobeying your parents. You're, you're not cheating on your taxes. 
you're, 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 not, you're not stealing from your employer. You know, you're not, you're not watching stuff that just like is dirty and filthy on TV. You're living a good life. You're bringing up your kids good. But the reality is in heaven, a moral life means nothing. It's a godly life. And a godly life is a life where God is first in your life. Jesus demands a godly life. And this is where man struggles. For a godly life is a life that swaps the kingdom of humanity for access to the kingdom of God. And that may mean this morning, it's different things for different ones. It may mean if you are rich, you may have to give away your money. It may mean you have to walk away from that job that you've just desired all your life. It may mean that you have to give up on those dreams that you've had or divert your career. It may mean you have to walk away from those friends that are bringing you down. It may mean you have to even downsize your home so that you could go and feed the poor. I I mean, it could mean different things for different people. I don't think it means that we suddenly have to become physically poor. But it does mean that you have to give away your rights to life. When, when, I, uh, when I got this card, I basically had to give away a lot of rights as a British citizen. It meant that if I got arrested, that the British couldn't just come and rescue me from prison and take me back home. It means that I would now be judged in American court of law. It, it, it meant that now I would have to pay American taxes. I'll be honest, American taxes are a lot less than British taxes, so I was happy about that. But it, it, it means that I probably have to like, wear an undershirt on all my clothes, because that's what Americans do, right? Or I wear like, a big, big buckle on, on my belt so I can put my phone in there. That's what, Americans, that's what I thought Americans do. And if you ever meet Brandon Riley, then who does that sound, that's what he does. So. But, but anyway, uh, I had to give away a lot of rights. And that's what Jesus says, that we have to give away our rights. In fact, only a few days before Jesus said this about the rich man, Jesus said, he said, if you want to gain life, then you have to give your life away. So that's how we gain access. And very quickly as we close this morning, you may ask, okay, so... If I give my life away and I gain access, what does that access give me? Over the next four weeks after this, we're going to be discussing what that access gives you to God. If you have access to the kingdom of God, what does that give you? What privileges does that give you? But this morning, I want to very quickly just give you two things. The first thing it gives you, it gives you a return on your investment. A return on your investment. If you give away for God, God will return to you. One day, God will give you the Bible. Jesus says, we'll give you a hundred times what you gave away. Maybe not in this life, but in the next life. You're going to have a whole lot. Jesus said in the next life, you will have eternal life. And the least in this life, the least who live in this life of humanity, will one day be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And vice versa, the greatest in this life will be the least in the kingdom of heaven. So one thing I would say to you, always treat poor people well. Because one day, those poor people, when we get to heaven, are probably going to be the greatest people in there. And it's always good to have friends in high places, right? So when you see a poor person, then give them a sandwich. You know, if they're homeless, you know, give them a coat. Give them something, because it will be good. But God will always give you a return on your investment. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, it may not be in this life. 
but eventually you will. And for most of you this morning, the second thing, what gives you access, when you get, what gives you privileges when you get into access to the kingdom of heaven, and this may apply for many of you today, is that now you have access to God's provision. You have access to God's provision. I want to leave you with a small promise from God. You may be physically poor today. You may be struggling to pay your bills. And a lot of us, we don't even know, you know, if you're struggling to pay your bills or not. You may not have two cents to rub together. Maybe what comes in your paycheck goes straight out into payments and debts. And you don't know at the end of the month if you're even going to have enough to put food on your table. You may be struggling to make ends meet. You may have issues trying to pay your bills. For those of you who aren't getting a tax refund this year and you've got to pay the government back, you know that this is a stressful time of year for you. You may not have enough to provide for your kids or give to your kids what you really want to give to your kids. Well, this promise is for you today. And it's found in Philippians chapter 4. And it's by, written by a guy called Paul. And this is what Paul said in Philippians 4 verse 11. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing. We can't even put food on his own table. But I've also learned to live with everything. Well, I've got an abundance of things. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. Other churches, no other church did this. And he says this, even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me help more than once. So these people have been given away out of their wealth. And he says, I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Remember, Jesus said, if you give your life away, then in the kingdom of heaven, you're going to have huge rewards. And Paul is talking about the same thing to these Philippians. And then this is where the promise of God is. Verse 18. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Aphroditus. They are sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from His glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. So this is the promise of God. Paul has said, he says, I have everything I need because of what God has given me. And guess what? Because you are followers of Jesus Christ, because you love God, then God will give you everything that you need. Maybe he might not make you the richest person in the world. But God won't ever leave you short. Never leave you short. You may struggle, but he won't leave you short. This man, the Apostle Paul, this was a man who had full access to the kingdom of heaven. Paul was a man who gave everything away for Jesus. He gave his fame away. He gave fortune. He gave his family away. Money, status, a peaceful life in exchange He didn't just get access to the kingdom of heaven in the next life. But he got full access right now in this life. 
This was a man who discovered God's provision. He discovered if he had a lot or if he had a little just to be content. Why? Because he understood that his full access card to the kingdom of heaven meant that he could go into God's kitchen and in God's kitchen the pantry is always full because he had access to the provision of God. And the provision of God is this. God will supply all of your needs according to his endless riches he has stored in heaven. But you only get that through full access. And access starts with Jesus. And Jesus says, follow me. Jesus has come to give you good news. Good news. The bad news is that you can't make it by yourself. The bad news is that, is that you just have access to what earth gives you. But the good news is, is that Jesus has come to give you full access to God. And when you get full access to God, you get full access to the kingdom of heaven. Everyone who lacks access to God, which is everybody, now can gain full access. And if they give their life away and follow Jesus, they will gain access to the kingdom of heaven. And once you gain access to the kingdom of heaven, the possibilities are endless. I'm not saying that we're all going to go out and become stinking filthy rich. Because the reality is life isn't like that. But what you will get is access to God. And when you get access to God, God provides for the things that you need. Let's pray.